0: Well, good evening. Um, it is my joy once again to be able to communicate. God's word with you again this evening. If you have your Bibles, you can go in and turn to Malachi chapter 3. and uh, We're going to pick up exactly where we left off today. Um, and before we get started, let's open up um, in a word of prayer. Lord, we're so thankful for tonight. We're so thankful that this is the day that the Lord has made. Pray that we will rejoice and be glad in what you've done and who you are. And all that you are accomplishing in our lives. I pray, Lord, today that you would just give me wisdom and give me guidance and give me strength as I proclaim your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move within us, that you would move through us, that we would understand your text for what is saying to us today. We pray that you'd be honored and glorified in everything that is done tonight. To the great and awesome name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, as some of you know, Maggie and I got married at a very young age. Um, she was 20, I was 21, we were just kids, um, but we felt a great calling that God wanted us to get married. And so at that young of age, we're trying to figure things out. I was still in college, I had a year and a half left of college, and we were getting to processing through what that would look like for us, how we were going to support ourselves, where we were going to live, what we were going to do. I wanted to go to seminary, so I didn't want to delay college too long, and so we're trying to figure out how many jobs I had to work and how could I still stay in school full time. Well, we were engaged. We were kind of processing through this. And we had a couple, and they were a couple of the family. They went to my dad's church, and we'd known them for many years. And they came to us, and they said, Hey, God has blessed us. And we have two homes. They had a home in Atlanta, and they had one up in Tennessee. And God just blessed this couple tremendously, just financially. And they said, You know, we're back and forth between a house in Tennessee and a house here in Atlanta. Why don't you guys come and you live in the house in Atlanta? We kind of have a basement apartment. It's got a bedroom. It's got a living room. It's got a bathroom. We'll split the kitchen and we'll share the laundry room. But why don't you guys come and live here? And in fact, why don't you guys come live here for absolutely free? We won't charge you rent. We won't charge you utilities. Y'all can come and live here for free. Most of the time, we won't even be here. So you're going to have the house to yourself. But why don't you guys come and you can stay here? We won't charge you anything. And of course, Mag and I were blown away and so excited because that just was such a blessing. answer to so many prayers and so I remember going over to the the man's house and we were talking through things and discussing with the couple what this would look like and kind of the logistics of it and then once we got done he pulled a check from his pocket and he said here this is going to help you guys get started and so I take the check and you know we get in the car and I look at it and it's a check for $750 right this family was like hey come and live in our house for free and by the way here's $750 to help you guys get started I mean, it was just amazing, and it was such a blessing to us for the next year and a half. We were able to get through school, and I was able to graduate, and we were able to go off to college. I mean, sorry, excuse me, go off to seminary, and I remember saying to Maggie, I was like, man, I don't think we're ever going to be wealthy, but if we are, I want to have the same mindset and the same heart as the Solomons do. I want to have hands that are completely open to what God is doing and willing to give all of our resources and all of our finances to people who need it to just be a blessing to others. But, you know, looking back on that statement, I don't think that statement was actually very accurate, and I don't think I even should have said it. Because regardless of how much money we have, we all should have the same mindset that the Solomons have. We should all have a mindset that our hands are open saying, God, all that we have belongs to you. Use it for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom and to bless others. There are some people here at First Baptist that have that mindset and that have impacted the people around us, the people in the church, the people in Dublin, in the exact same way. And I praise God for the type of people who have a a heart and an attitude of giving. And so that's what we're going to actually talk about today in the book of Malachi. We're going to talk about the importance of giving and how giving can impact our lives and how giving is a reflection of our heart and is a reflection of our relationship with God. And so we're going to be in verses 7 through 12 tonight of chapter 3. We're going to read through these and then we're going to impact on what these verses mean to us today. So let's start in verse 7 and go down to verse 12. It says, For the days of your fathers have been, you have turned aside from my statues and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you were robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? And your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I rebuke the devourer for you, so, that you, so it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. That's kind of a, one overarching idea of one big idea of what's going on here, and we see that this is an attitude of the heart. This is an attitude of giving. See, back in chapter 1, God was angry with them because they were sinning against him in their offerings. And they were sinning against him in the type of offering, the quality of the offerings. They were supposed to bring before him offerings that were pure, animals without blemish. But their quality was poor and they were sinning against God. Well, here we see that it's not about the quality, but it's, I mean, it is not about the quality, but it's about the quantity of what they're giving. God called them to give a certain tithe, 10% of what they owned, and they were failing to do that. But we see in both types of situations that this is a condition of the heart. That people were sinning against God in their heart when they gave the sacrifices that they weren't supposed to, and they were failing to give God a tenth of what He told them to give. So, this is a heart condition today, and kind of the big idea, the one main sentence, and kind of summarize what this passage is about is this It's because of God's great love, return to Him through your giving. Because of God's great love, return to Him through your giving. Because we see that verse 6, This morning talks about how because God does not change and because he loves Israel, they're not consumed. And then verse 7 comes completely after that, and we see this passage on giving. And so because of God's great love for us, we should return to him in our giving. And so today we're going to talk about the giving, and we're going to talk about the consequences of what that looks like. So our main points are going to be based around the consequences when we fail to give God what he deserves. And so our three main points today is this, is when you withhold your giving, we're going to see that you rob God. Secondly, we're going to see that when you withhold your giving, you rob yourself. And thirdly, we're going to see that when you withhold your giving, you rob others. So we're going to focus on first that when you withhold your giving, you rob God. Let's go back up again to verse 7. It goes, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statues and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. I just want to stop there for a second and and, and dive in and really focus on what God just said there. He's talking to the people of Malachi. He said, you've been sinning against me right? since your fathers, right? For a long period of time, you've been sinning against me. However, if you return to me, I will return to you. No matter the depths of our sin, no matter how long we've been sinning, no matter what kind of sin that we commit against God, That if we turn back to God and we repent, he will always come back to us. That's probably what the most important thing that some of you need to hear in this room today is that sentence. That if you return to God, he will return to you. How awesome is that? No matter the sin, no matter the depths of the sin, no matter the length of you've been sinning. He's been saying, you've been sinning against me for a long time, Israel. But if you return to me, I will return to you. So in our hearts today, if you're sinning against God, no matter the length, no matter how horrible it might be, you can return back to God. And he says he will return to you as well. He will embrace you like the prodigal son who is coming home. Return to me and I will return to you. But as we saw this morning, and we've seen all throughout the book of Malachi, that people challenge that statement. It says in the second half of verse seven, but you say, how shall we return? How do we need to return, God? What are we doing? That you're saying that we're far from you. I think it's so amazing out of all the sins that we've seen that Israel has committed, when God talks about returning to him, this is what he says. He says, will man rob God? Yet you will rob me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes, and your contributions. And so God says, return to me and you can return to me by giving me your tithes, and your contributions. Because when they're failing to give God what he deserves, it is a condition of the heart. And because their hearts were far from God, they were failing to give God what he deserved. And they were robbing God's in their tithes and in their contributions. You see, back then in the Old Testament times, God gave Israel instructions. In Numbers chapter 18, he tells them that they should give a tithe of what they had. It could be grain, it could be fruit, it could be animals, it could be their money, that they were supposed to give a tithe, which is 10% of their contributions to God, to the temple. And so they would give them to the Levites, who would take a 10% of that. And God says that you should give it to them because of all the hard work that they do. And so the, the Levites would give a 10%, and then they would take a portion of that and give it to the priest. And then every third year, they would take a portion of those tithes and those contributions and give them to the poor. And so when the people of Israel were giving to the temple, they weren't only supporting the ministry of the temple. They were supporting the Levites and the priests. They are helping give to the needy. But even beyond that, there was an act of worshiping God and telling God how amazing he is, expressing their gratefulness to God. Hey, God, you've blessed us with all these things, all this fruit, all this grain, all this money, all these animals, because you've blessed us with all these things. We want to give a portion back to you. Because we love you and we're so grateful for all that you've done for us. And so they were called to give a portion back out of their love and gratefulness for God. But we see that people were failing to do that. And they were failing to give to God because they failed to realize that everything they had belonged to God. They failed to realize that not just 10% belonged to God, but all of their fruit, all of their grain, all of their animals, all of their money, everything that they had, including themselves, belonged to God. And they failed to realize that and they failed to understand that. And the same is true of us today that everything we have belongs to God. Abraham Kuyper, who was a, a Dutchman, he was a journalist, he was a politician, he was a man of many trades but he was also a Christian. He has a quote that, I, oh man, I absolutely love it. It says, There's not a square inch of the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. There's not a square inch of this entire universe in which Christ does not cry, mine. That belongs to me. That's mine, and that's mine, and that's mine. It's like the birds on Finding Nemo. Mine, mine, mine. Everything belongs to him. Everything that we have belongs to him. This entire universe belongs to him. And what he's saying here is that every square inch, meaning yourselves, it means your money, it means your contributions, it means your house, it means your car, it means 100% of your paycheck. Everything that you have belongs to God. It's all his. He just allows us to take care of it. It's like when my kids are fighting over a toy. I'll pick up the toy and say, you guys realize that this is mine. And I'm just allowing you guys to play with it. So you need to share. It's the same thing with us. Everything that we have belongs to God. He's just allowing us to take care of it. Or he's just allowing us to play with it. Everything we own belongs to God. And when we fail to give, we are robbing God. That's why God said to the people of Israel, you're robbing me. Because everything you have belongs to me. And so we're under the new covenant and not the old covenant. And so we're not required to give a portion of our grain or our fruit or animals. I mean, by all means, if you want to bring watermelons to the office or come bring me some barbecue, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to push it back. But we're not required to give that anymore. But in the New Testament, God gives us other guidelines of what we should give. And God says that we should give our treasures, which is our money, that we should give our time, we should serve others, and we should give our talents, which are our spiritual gifts. And so my question to you guys today is, how are you giving today? First of all, how are you giving in your treasures, and the money that God has blessed you with? How are you giving a portion of that back to the local church, to local ministries, to national ministries, to international ministries? How are you giving a portion of what God has blessed you with to the church or to local ministries or to people in need? But when it comes to your time, how are you serving? Throughout the epistles, Paul tells us that we should serve one another. He says in Galatians chapter 5, serve one another. How are you serving the local church? How are you serving here at First Baptist? How are you serving in local ministries like Celebrate Recovery or the Joy Clinic or things like that? How are you right now serving in the church and giving a portion of what God has given to you? All your time belongs to God. How are you giving a portion of that back to the church or to local ministries? And then thirdly, how are you given your talents? Every Christian has a spiritual gift. Every single one of us. We took time this winter, Bruce Rector led a class, and part of that class was examining what our spiritual gifts were. Every one of us has a spiritual gift. And through that spiritual gift that we're called to love people and care for people and use the spiritual gift that God has given us. If you're a dynamic, awesome teacher, are you teaching in Sunday school right now? If you're someone who is just great at hospitality, how are you caring for one of people and being hospitable to people in the church and the people around us and to unbelievers? If you're just great encourager, how are you encouraging people in the church? If you can sing out of your mind, how are you singing in the choir? What are you doing with all the gifts that God has given you? The spiritual gifts that he's blessed us with is to edify the church and to reach out to nonbelievers and to bless God and to glorify him. So how are you giving your talents to the local church and to local ministries. We're called to give back a portion of our treasure and our time and our talents. How are you doing that today? What are some ways that you can step in and do that? And so the first thing we see is that when we withhold our giving, we rob God. And the second thing we see is when we withhold our giving, we rob ourselves. Let's pick up here in verse 9. He says, You are cursed with the cursed, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts. And so remember that there's economic hardships, there's crop failures going on in Malachi's day, and we finally discover why this is happening. He says in verse 9 that you're cursed right now because of the way you're treating me. You're cursed right now because you're failing to give a portion of what is mine. There's consequences to your actions, Israel, and what's happening is that you're being cursed right now because of your sinfulness. But then he goes on to say, he says, but bring a full tithe into the storehouse, Bring something in and put me to the test. Test me, Israel, and see the windows of heaven open wide. And I will bless your crops and the devourer won't get to them. And your fruit will grow and your grains will grow. And you will be blessed because you were obedient to me. Now we first need to realize that this is an Old Testament promise to the nation of Israel. Israel. Okay, so what I'm saying is if you, don't, if you give to the local church, if you have a, a garden at your house, it's not going to you know, be full of apples when you get home or full of tomatoes. Right? If you give a portion to the church, it doesn't mean that you're going to get a bunch of money later on. This isn't the prosperity gospel. That's not what Malachi is saying to us today. What it's saying to us today is that we'll be blessed when we give, when we give a portion of our treasures and our talents and our time, that God will bless us in the process. There was a pastor that he kind of came to a crossroads in his life. Um, He felt really, really strongly that God was calling him to give more than he normally gave. And God gave him a certain number that he wanted to give. And as he was getting ready to give this money, he realized that he had an insurance premium that was due. And so it came down to a big decision. Do I give this tithe or do I pay the insurance premium? He didn't have any money in savings, so he couldn't pull money from savings. And so as he was processing through it and praying through it, he said, God, I trust you. I trust that you're so much bigger than any type of financial decision. And so in faith, he gave the portion. And he said, I'm just going to have to see what you do with this insurance premium. Well, as he was going on, someone called him and said, hey, I want you to come preach at our church as a guest speaker. And he actually went and spoke at that church. And after he got done speaking, they handed him a check. And guess what the amount of the check was? the exact amount that he needed for the insurance premium. And as I was talking with him about this, he said, Josh, God changed me during that process. He was like, you never worship God the way you do when you put all your money out there and realize that you have no money to pay your bills. He had young kids at this time. And he said, I trusted God. And God took that and he shaped me and molded me and he changed me and he brought me to deeper worship into who he is and what he's done. See, when we withhold our giving and we don't step out in faith, we rob ourselves of what God wants to do in our lives. This pastor experienced God in a unique way that he would not have experienced unless he stepped out in faith and gave. Now, I'll be completely honest with you. If I was put in that situation today, I don't know if I would have given. I think I might have paid the premium. I hate that, Lord. Work in my heart. Work in my soul. Lead me and guide me into deeper love and trust in who You are and what You've done. Mold me and shape me. As I have the type of character that my hands are completely open to what You're doing, and that all that I have belongs to You. My finances, my family, my treasures, my house, my car, whatever it is, belong to, belongs to You, God. Take me deeper in my faith, and deeper in my trust. And I praise God for that pastor's willingness to step out. What a testimony that is to God. What an example that is to us that we can pray, God, to do the same thing in my heart. Do the same thing in my life. And I'm not saying every time you you give that God's going to automatically bring a check around the corner that's going to match that. But what I do know is that God will take you into deeper depths in your relationship with him. That you will grow in your dependency on him. That you will grow in your trust in him. You will realize that he satisfies so much more. And you'll understand that you're not dependent on a paycheck that you get once a week or every other week or once a month. But what you're dependent on is Jesus Christ and he provides for you and he is sufficient for all that you need. That he alone can satisfy you in your deepest desires and he is greater than anything. And he will provide. And he'll bless you. He'll bless you in your relationship with him. He'll bless you in your walk with him. Because he is a guy that is so awesome and so amazing. He's big, he's strong, and he's mighty. And he can do more things than we could ever possibly imagine. So how is God working in your heart today and asking you to give? How does God want to bless you? And how are you robbing yourselves by withholding what God is calling you to give? And so we see here that when we withhold our money, we rob God of what God wants to do. We see, secondly, that when we withhold our money, we rob ourselves. And lastly, we see that when we withhold our giving, we rob others. There we go. <laughs> also, train of thought. We rob others. Let's see what it says in verse 12. It says, Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight says the lord of hosts so he comes before him and he says then when they see how blessed you are what i've done with your cross what i've done through you guys then all the nations will call you blessed right they'll be envious of you. you'll be the land of delight and so we withhold our giving we find that we rob others when israel they had a unique opportunity when god brought them back from captivity They had the unique opportunities to trust God and rely on God. And God could use that opportunity to bless them and to show all the nations around them how amazing he is and how wonderful he is. But we see they didn't do that. They sinned against God. They questioned God. They grumbled and they complained. And because of that, we saw that hardships and curse came upon them. But God is saying, if you return to me, if you give a portion of your tithes and your contributions... Then all the nations will see how blessed you are. Then all the nations will see how awesome and wonderful I am. And as believers, when we step out and we give a portion of our money, and we give a portion of our time, and we give a portion of our talents, we'll see that God uses that to bless other people. That God uses that to do a mighty work in the lives of other people. That first of all, people see how awesome and amazing God is. When people see that people are giving and that they're not depending on their checkbook and their highest pleasures is not what's found in their bank account, they see people that, that desire Jesus more than they desire every, anything else. They see that they, we believe as Christians that Jesus is better than anything else. That he's more satisfying than all the money that we could ever imagine. But it's also we can bless others because God uses our giving of our treasure and our time and our talents to directly bless people and impact people. I think about the Solomons that allowed us to live with them. What a testimony of God. Even today, nine years later, that still is such an impact on my life. And one example of who God is and their love for God and their willingness to give, no matter even if it's an inconvenience to them, because they love God more than they love their things. And they blessed me because of that. And we step out and we serve out of our comfort zone in places we might not think we'll be good at serving, God uses that to bless other people. When we go to Celebrate Recovery or the Joy Clinic or any other ministries around town, and we step into those ministries, God uses our serving to bless others. When we encourage someone, God give us the gift of encouragement. God uses that encouragement to bless others. When we withhold those things, like our money and our time and our talents, that we rob other people. Because God wants to use us to be a blessing. What an amazing God that uses imperfect vessels to be a blessing to the people around us. But he does do that. And he wants to use you and I to bless other people. And praise God that he does that. He wanted to use Israel to be a nation that displayed God's greatness. And he wants to use Christians. And he wants to use First Baptist Dublin as to be a church that displays to the entire community of how great and awesome our God is. And so we do this because we love God. We do this out of gratitude to God. And it all comes back to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. What we talked about today, that he is a God that purifies us and cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. And we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior because he lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose from the dead victoriously, that you and I can now have a relationship with God, our sins forgiven, and eternity with him because of what Jesus has done. And because all we are called to do is place our faith in him as our Lord and Savior. What gratitude springs from our hearts. What excitement, what joy that Jesus Christ is so much greater than anything else. And out of our love for him and our commitment to him and out of obedience to him, we step out and we give. We give our treasures, we give our time, and we give our talents to the church, to local ministries, to the lost because we want to be a testimony of how great our God is, and we love him so much, and all that we have belongs to him. So my deepest prayer, my deepest desire is at First Baptist Church that me, Josh Stewart, will be a type of person that my hands are completely open to what God is doing in my life. That all I have belongs to you, God. Even if I have to step out in faith and I don't know what you're going to do. Even if it means I've got to give up time or be inconvenienced or step out of my comfort zone. I want to be willing to say, Lord, all I have is yours. Use me, use my talents, use my treasures, use my resources for the advancement of your kingdom. And to leave lost souls into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So how is God calling you to step in today and give? And what should you give? How much you should give? That's a big question. Now, back in the Old Testament, he talks about a tithe, which was 10%. But the New Testament actually never talks about a tithe, never talks about a percentage. Paul tells us that we should give generously, but he never tells us how much we should give. A lot of Christians today still use that 10%. I think that's a good mark of how much we should give, kind of a, a place to start maybe. But I think it's when you praying to God and talking to your spouse if you're married examining God, what are you calling me to give? Tim Chalice, who is a a Christian writer and pastor, says this about giving. He says, how much am I to give? He says, enough that it matters, enough that I am sacrificing some comforts and some experiences that I would otherwise enjoy. What the Lord teaches those who give this way is that the joy of giving, both now and eternally, internally far outweighs what we could have instead. We don't give because good God needs our money. We give to show our gratitude and our dependence. And in return, he gives us joy. And so for some people, 10% is exactly what they need to give. For others, it's not nearly enough. For others, maybe it's too much. But God is calling each one of us to give a portion Not just to First Baptist. I've heard Cliff say this before, and I love his heart behind it. You don't just have to give here. Right? There's other ministries. There's other organizations, nationally and internationally, that you can give to. There's children in other countries who need someone to support them monthly. These are areas that you can step in and give. There's missionaries who are raising support. Step into those situations and give to them because you love them. But don't just give your checks. Give yourself. Give your time. Find a way to serve here at First Baptist and in local ministries, and find the talents that God has blessed you with, and use them, right? All of us have talents that God has given us. We can be humble about it, but we can be real about it, right? God has used every single one of us. You don't have to be, think it's prideful just because you know what you're talented at. That's a good thing. That's a great thing for the church. So how are you talented, and how can you step into those situations? God is calling us to do great things here, locally, and through the state, and through the nation, and through the world, and God wants to use that. God wants to use you because he loves you. He wants to use you to bless others, and God wants to bless you through this process. So step out in faith and ask your question. Ask the question, God, what are you doing, and how are you using me? If you have any questions, we get done. I'll be down front for a second, or we're not limited to a few minutes during a song. Come stop by my office. Give me a call. Think through different ways and process, not just with me, with other pastors, with Will, with Jonathan, with Pastor Cliff, with with Bob. Process through different ways that you can serve here in the church and how you can serve around and allow God to use you to do great things for his kingdom because you love God and you want to be obedient to what he's calling you to do. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love you that you're a God that has your word that speaks to us. Man, I, I love the book of Malachi, how it impacts even our lives today. How easy it is to look over the book of Malachi and say, man, that applies to people hundreds of years ago. But understanding that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's still piercing our hearts and piercing our souls through bone and through marrow, shaping us and molding us and calling us to step out in faith. Lord, use us to do great things and bless us. Help our motivation not to be because you want to bless us. Help our motivation to be because we love you and because we want to honor and glorify you with our lives and we want to be obedient. But we know through the process you'll bless us. You'll bless us spiritually. You'll bless us in our walk with you. And you'll bless us in other ways. So bless us, God, as we bless others and as we bless you. Be honored and glorified in the lives of the people at First Baptist Church Dublin. It's in the great and awesome and saving name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.